passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the... Hell in a Cell post show. Wei Ting, John Pollock, here we are. Here we are, yeah. Uh, before we start, John, of course I want to wish all the fathers listening right now, including yourself, a very happy Father's Day. Oh, thank you. Thank you on behalf of every father listening to this that I'm sure would like to say thank you, Wei, for thinking of us. Well, on that note, Dad hats are available at store.postwrestling.com. I didn't even mean that, but they, yes, they are. Hot item. Hot item. I didn't realize. You know, I didn't even time it for Father's Day. It was like... That was, um, a, that was a coincidence? Coincidence, yeah. Like, Martin Bushby asked for a hat. And I was like... I know Martin doesn't usually wear, like, snapbacks. And I would hate to force somebody to wear a snapback. So I was like, hey, like, we have the capability of printing, like, this style of hat. Would you prefer that? And he's like, you read my mind. And evidently, he read all of your minds, or I read all of your minds, because uh, these are very, very much in demand. And you know what? With Father's Day around the corner, it really was the perfect uh, synergy. Well, that's a great job on your part. So I think that, uh, you know, next year, maybe we can move on to like, uh, maybe Is next there a May, mom hat? we can put out mom jeans next May. Mom jeans. Ah. Uh. Anything else beyond that? Like uh, grandfather uh, tanks or clocks? <laughs> grandfather clocks. Let's stop. Let's stop right now. We've we've picked up some patrons for this show and they've just unsubscribed. So let's uh, let's uh-huh. move on. Uh, store.postwrestling.com for all of your Father's Day needs. Uh, great hat for any month of the year. Uh, true or false? The only item in the store that I have actually requested from way how can i get one of these i'm should i just order one off the site just tell me i want to get one yeah yeah you not ask for anything uh surprisingly you you know john like you're not much of a graphic tea wearer i suppose there's there's no embezzling going on here at post wrestling i promise you i was uh mm-hmm. this was the first time i inquired about a a post wrestling item that, that that's how I, you know i will wear this is how you know it's a hot item and how you know it's it's fashion forward when john paul <laughs> oh, yes requests. yes me and fashion um go hand in hand folks like a glove uh how was your sunday oh it was really good um nice hot day you know like I brutally get, hot I, day man we were over 30 today it was like 33 i think it went up to it was pretty hot yeah but um you know got to celebrate um uh, father's day with with my family and got to sit down outside in their backyard for dinner and oh nice you know like uh most of us except my brother are like double backs now so like it it was just yeah it was just nice you know well that's uh that's great uh i'm sure you? your dad 
I, I had a I had a great day, fantastic day. We went out to uh to a splash pad, had a lot of fun there. Uh, then uh, hung out in my backyard, uh, about as adventurous as you can get during the uh the COVID era as we're starting to uh uh dial things back. I got to go see my family yesterday, so that that was good. So overall, it was a it was an enjoyable weekend. Nothing like uh, the end of it way. I'm sure your dad was uh, all excited about seeing you. And then you had to tell him, well, I got to get going because uh, T minus uh, three hours until Shayna Baszler versus Alexa Bliss tonight. So happy Father's Day. You know, I'm sure he, he that the part of that story is him wanting to watch that match, maybe even more so than me. But um, I'm not about, I'm not about to share my login with him. Well, uh I will get into my uh, my mid panic during Hell in a Cell once we get there. Okay, there's Ooh, okay quite a story here. Okay, mm. it's like man, is this uh is this Twitter worthy? I was like, no, this is this is for the cafe. This is for mm. the postmarks out there. Love Save it. all my my stuff there. I'm I think I'm done with Twitter. I think I'm actually done with it. Now really? I don't I don't want to become the person that just tweets out links and shows and i also am not compelled to listen i'm a very witty person i'm built for this structure but i'm just Mm. not i'm not inspired right now i'm not inspired in the sense that uh i want to save everything for the show if i've got a funny joke if i've got a commentary on something it's all going to you folks this twitter Mm. i don't know anything to twitter Maybe I'll, okay. maybe I'll just, maybe I'll like, uh, I can go just, uh, unannounced to, uh, the discord. That's like open mic night. You know, I just pop in there every now and then they don't know what the hell's going on. I think I'm still the champion there. I don't think I've defended it in my requisite amount of days. So I don't know if I've been stripped of the title yet. I don't think you're the champion anymore, but you know, yeah, you're, you're always the champion. I think you did. I, first of all, I think you lost it to me. Like you defended it against me. But I won. I won it back in the last few days. I was told this by text. Oh, you then, did. Wow. Yes. And then I meant to go defend it on Friday and forgot. <laughs> and then the weekend happened. So I, please let me know in the in the uh, comments, folks. <laughs> Am I still the champion? And are there <laughs> rankings? Like I can't there lose this unless I actually make the allow someone to face me, right? You know, that's more of a question for Phil Chert, Talk, Lord of the Cord. So um, postwrestling.com slash Discord to see if John Pollock is still indeed the champion. But, you know, I, I would encourage you, John, as somebody who's talked at length about, like, my own relationship with Twitter over, over the past week, keep your Twitter around. Don't delete your Twitter. You know, you, you never know I'm when not, you're I'm it. not deleting it. I'm just trying to find out, like, what is, what is my use for Twitter? Is it to be – because, again, I don't want to be the person that's just like – Oh, go listen to this. Go do this. Go do this. Go do this. Okay, hold on a second. Let, let me let me stop you right there. Because I've kind of become that person. Okay? Sometimes, like, I mean, and it's just like, it's the industry that we're in. It's the business There's a balance. There, there, there's Definitely. the balance. My point is, do I want to be doing... You don't. Because I think you, you, if I'm putting out all the uh, go check out my stuff info, I have yeah. to balance it with some, here is what I'm depositing okay. free of charge. Well, that's exactly... So what you want to do is to try to tell people to go check out your stuff, but do it with your wit. Yeah, you know? but you, dude, every single one of your tweets is witty. You are a very witty person. I've never as seen are, you tweet something you. where it's not like, <laughs> oh, cool. 
Dude, me, I'm the uh, click here guy. Okay, that's <laughs> like there's days I just I don't have it in me. Okay, there's just, it takes there's a just lot more effort than people think. You know, honestly, well, you do it like, seamlessly. Like maybe you're up all night, like planning future tweets and stuff. I, but I, sometimes I spend way more time than I should, uh, like posting a, a, a caption to like this this podcast that I'm putting out. But you know, they don't all have to be like that. And I think you're more than capable. You're you're way funnier than I am. So I, I definitely think you should. Uh, that's a great way to exercise, actually, your brain. Well, anyway, this Twitter thing—it's not going away, so uh, we can move. We can move on. Hell in a Cell tonight. Uh, we're going to run through the pay per view and then uh, open up the phone lines. We can chat about Hell in a Cell. If you have any um, urging, pressing questions to talk about, uh, we can talk about whatever you would like here at this uh, this later hour. But I am happy that we are at this. New start time for WWE pay-per-views. Such an easier time. for This was the easiest in terms of getting set. I started the show right before 8 o'clock. Caught up, watched the kickoff match, into the show. It was such a more smooth experience tonight. So I hope they're permanently... And it seems like they are. They're going to be doing these 8 Eastern starts for the main card. I, I I can't believe we we ever started at seven. Like to me, like growing up, pay per views only started at eight o'clock, and by the time it was done, you know, it, like it was time for the law. Like in two and a half hours or two hours and forty five minutes, like you get your shit in. And it's, they were seven going way way back, but you know, Attitude Era onward, yeah, eight o'clock was kind of the accepted normal start time. Which is come on, it's it's a fine start time. I'm perfectly fine that we're here at 11 o'clock because the trade-off was it was killing me so trying mm-hmm. to be down here at like 6 30 6 45 good luck good luck there was going to be a time when i would just like hey wait i've missed the first two hours of the show but here we are eight o'clock eastern actually 7 30 we should say because we had the kickoff uh panel featuring the likes of peter rosenberg jbl jerry lawler and kayla braxton and we get to our lone kickoff match natalia mandy rose in a singles match with Tamina and Dana Brooke in the respective corners. And this was like a pretty straightforward match. A lot of grappling involved here. We had Rose snap Natalia's uh, throat into the rope after yanking her arm. And then from her guard, uh, Rose tried for a guillotine, but was slammed free. They're trading abdominal stretches. And then as Mandy goes for the double underhooks, Natalia blocks gets drilled with a knee strike, and then after she bridges out of the jackknife cover, Natalia gets to the sharpshooter and submits Mandy Rose. Nine minutes, 40 seconds, clean win for Natalia. The seconds didn't get involved in any way, shape, or form. I thought, like, perfectly acceptable, fine kickoff match. I thought that it was just like a well, well-wrestled match for the two involved. I agree. Um, I thought, you know, it was acceptable it was fine and for me like for us after a long time of i i feel like not seeing mandy rose in these sort of extended long matches it was a good glimpse to see where her current abilities are at and you know i thought everything she attempted was quite successfully pulled off it was very much like a you know wwe style of pace so a bit slow in the middle but like you know saving it for for the big near fall sequence at the end um and I thought she did good. However, it's like, I can't really say there was anything that stood out about this match to me. And now that we've seen, like, what somebody like Ty Conti has been able to do out of this system, I feel like the bar is far higher for, like, some of these low carters who are relatively new to the business as far as, like, what we expect from them. Um, and Mandy Rose is not a rookie anymore. She's been in this company for quite a while. 
and I, yeah and so like i'm i'm kind of like looking at this expecting a bit more from her now and it's strange because like i didn't really have that same critique you know watching the sonia deville feud that she had so either sonia just has better chemistry with mandy or it just shows you how important a compelling story and you know compelling character is to you know what otherwise may be an average match um they had her continue to play heel throughout this and we have no reason to understand why she's a heel other than she hates she's noises. Doing a photo shoot. She hates noises during photo shoots. Um I thought that was really poorly conceived and probably affected my enjoyment. We go on to the regular uh pay-per-view portion and tonight we have Ozzy Osbourne's Straight to Hell as our theme song. Did you have this blaring throughout the night? Yes, of course. Yeah, throughout the Father's Day dinner, lunch. Yeah. Not only that, tonight's title sponsor is the new WWE Credit One credit card. Cool. You, what benefits do you get? Um, I actually have the benefits listed in one of my updates this week. There is like really? some cashback opportunities. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Anything I, WWE related? I think like on certain... Um, I'd have to look it up, but like it's benefits for like WWE stuff that you purchase. Like it's, it's a smart idea and there's God knows there are people that will sign up for this thing. Why not? Interesting. Okay. All right. You didn't have a WCW credit card. I remember (laughs) those. They marketed the hell out of those. I don't know if uh, Canadians would have been eligible. Maybe not. (laughs) Michael Cole, like his opening, (laughs) he just promotes the fact that next month we'll be in Fort Worth, Texas with live fans. Tonight, we don't. Like, essentially, it was your opening to this pay-per-view. Like, hey, we got the drones tonight. Enjoy them while they're here. We'll have real people in this arena next month. Starting things off, the women's, uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair, Bailey, in our first of two Hell in a Cell matches. Uh, Bianca Belair, a bit of a Harlem Heat vibe here with her white, red, and gold flame outfit. That she was wearing. Oh, I forgot to mention the the opening here. Oh, with the the, uh, the, the warriors, the, the voiceover. Yeah, yeah, the tribute to the warriors. I thought it was really cool. Well it was scripted, nice. well shot. Yeah, I liked it. It was a uh, what, what was the line that they had in there? Uh, wishing all of you at the gates of hell. Good luck. Hmm. I liked it. So our opening match on the pay per view saw uh, Bianca Belair and Bailey where. A lot of involvement with Belair's braid. And I think you can get some clever stuff with the braid. I don't want to see them overdo it. And I think they got dangerously close in this match to too much here with the braid. Like we had multiple times that Bailey tied it to objects. And then we even had Belair tie her own braid to Bailey's wrist to keep her close. And deliver a bunch of like ripcord clotheslines. It's like I don't want the braid to become like the best supporting feature of a Bianca Belair match. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree, especially like in the context of a Hell in a Cell when you're trying to sell violence. I definitely feel like at times maybe this felt a little kind of comical and um, you know out of place. At the same time, though. Like, I think what Bianca Belair needs right now that I didn't find, actually, in the last match she had with Bailey, where, like, <laughs> no, not haircuts, um, but rather, like, you know, things that make her, her matches stand out from the rest. Like, she is somebody that I don't think should just be having, 
your regular matches and you either show her uh you know what what are her unique qualities it's her incredible athleticism it's her strength and it's also her hair so i thought the the fact that they were able to you know be creative with it i i enjoyed those elements but you know perhaps in the context of a hell in a cell and i makes makes you wonder like how how far in advance did they know that this would be a hell in a cell match you know uh, probably at the earliest thursday right so they you know very likely could have had the rest of the match already planned and um you know but you know for the most part i i I'd give them credit for the creativity well uh, the the breaking point for me was when she, her hair was tied to the bottom rope and michael cole said she was hair cuffed mm-hmm. and then bailey ran at, at belair who is tied to the bottom rope with her hair and gets dropped toehold into the steps uh bailey then yeah. bit her and I went for a running sunset flip, sending Belair into the cell. Uh, Bailey is working over the arm throughout the match, while Bailey uh, injures her knee after driving it into a chair. And then, when she executed the rose plant, further injured the knee. So you've got the bad arm of Belair with the bad knee of Belair. A ladder is then brought into the ring, and after this rose plant, Belair is selling the knee, and this allows Belair to make her big comeback with a senton to Bailey on the ladder opens up the legs of the ladder and hits the KOD on top of the ladder, pinning Bailey in 19 minutes and 44 seconds. Uh, I thought overall this was like a really entertaining Hell in a Cell match. It's a pretty high bar because it just happened with Bailey and Sasha last October. I don't think this was at that level. Uh, but nonetheless, I enjoyed this match and it was one where, I mean, there was not a whole lot of animosity going into this beyond the you know, trying to tell this bullying story based on the laughter. But, I mean, bell to bell, I don't think people had too many concerns about this. And I would say uh, the match played itself out to people's expectations. I agree with you. I thought it was a really entertaining, compelling match throughout. And much of that was because of the creativity of the spots that they used between the 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 chair, the stairs, and the hairs. Oh, my. Um, Oh my, uh, yeah. I thought I thought overall it was pre- pretty cool. I, you know, m- my main complaint about it was that it didn't really feel like a cell match to me. And and again, you know, you have to wonder when they, how much of this match they had created before learning that it was to be a hell in a cell match. I think some things could have been adjusted though. I would have liked to have seen like, for instance, they could have tied like that hair tying spot to the ropes. I would have like maybe tying it, weaving it through the cell fence might have been an interesting spot. Um, you know, we didn't really kind of rely on the violence of, uh, you know, your your expected Hell in a Cell matches, but you have you would you would have more a lot more like more than enough of that in the main event. So it, as an opener, I thought it was good, and I thought it was a good defense for um, Bianca Belair. Yeah, I mean, you just by WWE's nature, they they do two of these matches and then they try to make them completely different. And this one was, I kind of like the simplicity that it was, it came down to the ladder was introduced. And as soon as I saw that ladder, it was like, this is the perfect ending for, with the KOD. And that's what they did. And it was like simple, effective end. And it kind of great, great looking KOD looked really good. Yeah. And you had like clear cut winner in the feud that moves on now. And we'll see what's next for Bel Air. Like timing wise, it would seem ready for Sasha Banks to return. Ooh, Sasha, yeah, for SummerSlam. You know. I do that for SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they go one more month for this, with this feud? With Bailey? No, I feel this is it. Uh, I don't know what you do in the meantime for, for next month. Um, you know, you could do... Because the promo at the end here from Bel Air was her saying that she 
won't would forgive never Bailey. forgive Bailey for what she did. Yeah. So it makes yeah. you wonder if there's they're doing another one, but she already beat her twice. What can you do again? You well, as we'll learn with Cesaro, just because you've won twice doesn't mean you win the feud. Yes, true. It's who wins last. So she did that interview backstage, and then Bobby Lashley is shown with MVP and the ladies in his suite preparing. Alexa Bliss says that Lily is still serving a timeout. So Lily um, mysteriously vanished. Maybe right. she got popped for a wellness violation. No Lily tonight. So, but what Lily's was Alexa, gone for thirty days? What was Alexa referring to when she was saying, like, you know, uh, surprise? Like, you'll see, like, you'll, you'll, you never know who will answer the door. Like, what is that supposed to mean? I will give you my theories in, in the match. They're completely ludicrous, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there for our hocus pocus hour. Um, Seth Rollins versus Cesaro. So. No surprise here. It was, I thought it was a very good match. Rollins jumped Cesaro at the beginning. And Michael Cole notes that Seth Rollins' two stomps cost Cesaro, quote, many days of his career. He missed two episodes of SmackDown. He missed literally two days of work and came back week three. Many days of his career gone. Well, we don't, maybe. Did it stop him from like his other obligations? Did he, could he know what other obligations? He's got SmackDown once a week. There's no house shows. There's no autograph signings. There's no appearances. Cameos. Can he still do those? He could do cameos. I don't know if that's necessarily your your career in action. Yeah. So Rollins, uh, Cesaro's on fire at the beginning, and then Rollins cuts him off with a DDT, and he hit. Just the most gorgeous-looking springboard knee. It was really a thing of beauty that he hit onto Cesaro. He's attacking Cesaro, who comes back with big uppercuts. Then he stomps Rollins and removes the glove. Puts the glove into Seth's mouth as Pat McAfee asks, Can you imagine Seth losing with his own glove in his own mouth? No, Pat, I'm not ready for that. Thankfully, Rollins kicked out. And then Cesaro, dude, he kicked the glove, this weightless glove, into the empty crowd. He just kicked this thing like it was a beach ball. He rolled it in. Dude, that could have looked really stupid live. (laughs) You ever tried to kick a glove any kind of discernible Uh, distance? I've never tried to kick a glove. Um... And uh, maybe I'll try it. Maybe I'll try it this weekend. So Rollins comes back. He hits the uh, the forearm to the neck, uh, like Karrion Cross has been doing. Cesaro then finally cuts off Rollins with a discus lariat, and he hits the Cesaro swing. McAfee cannot keep track. He helps someone else's counting. And then to the sharpshooter, transitions to the cross face, then rolls to the center. Rollins tries to get a cradle. Cesaro goes back to the sharpshooter, and then he lifts his foot, stomps the arm of Rollins, stomps the arm a second time, stomps the arm a third time. Significant damage done here to the arm of Seth Rollins, who then takes this this barely hanging arm that's left, and he uses an inside cradle using the bad arm to hook his leg and pins him in 16 minutes and 14 seconds. I thought this was just a... 
Like, first of all, very silly finish. Why did we do it that way? Uh, but more to the point, I think this was more so just the world's being back in alignment. Cesaro is right back to where he began, and Rollins is now going to be on to something of more importance because that's the only theory I can get for him winning here. It's like Cesaro has had the big Roman match, so what are we building him up for? They pushed the fact he's beat Rollins twice, and it just felt like, well, Rollins is probably primed for something important this summer. Uh, I just thought the finish did not do Cesaro any favors, and it just felt like this is cooling down Cesaro back to earth after this two-month kind of elevation where we're finally going to really shoot him to the moon. Yeah, I think it is that. You know, I think ultimately uh, somebody like a Seth Rollins is going to have higher cachet than uh, Cesaro, and they seem to be priming him up for probably a bigger match while Cesaro probably goes back down the card to a position where, you know, that's, you know, it's still maybe more elevated than where he was a year ago, but uh, nonetheless, I would say it may be a more upper mid card. Um, I, I think I've, I feel like the inside cradle was probably done to, you know, make it seem a bit fluky that Cesaro was dominating the entire match. And then Rollins just happened to catch him with this move that didn't necessarily beat him up, but caught him for the three. And, you know, I, I think that I was just wish he didn't like, him. what was the point of this stomping the arm? Like it's an, an unorthodox spot that Cesaro does not just do randomly. And then it was like, it's literally the injured arm that he's hooking the leg with that Cesaro can't kick out of. I just, it, I just thought uh -huh. like the logic totally falls apart. Well, I'll have to rewatch the spot, but I like did the small package not directly flow from that position of him holding the wrist. It it's the arm though that he's got to use to hook the leg. He's what holding it. Was it, it with wasn't it a small arm. package? Yeah, where he's got the arm around the leg. To but hook the it. small package uses your legs too, doesn't it, to hook the other leg? Well, if you watch this replay, it's like the arm is holding the leg in place. Okay, well, maybe it was poorly conceived in that sense. But, um, I mean, it was a good match. Outside of being very technically proficient, I I think, you know, it kind of fulfills your good match quota on this show, uh, if you're looking for that. But I don't think I'll ever remember this. Shayna Baszler and Alexa Bliss is placed next. So we got a whole video recapping the uh, their tribute to The Conjuring. Nia Jax and Reginald are ringside. And Reginald tries to distract early on and then is caught in the gaze of Alexa Bliss and is put into a hypnotic state. Bliss is unaffected by the strikes of Baszler and she's laughing. Baszler is trying to contort the arm and I'm positive they seem to be trying to do Alexa's trick with her arm. They just never mm -hmm. got there. I thought for sure that's what they were at least trying to do because if ever there was a match to do it, it seemed it would be with the submission specialist, Shayna Baszler, here to do a Kimura, and all of a sudden her arm is dangling because of the double-jointedness. I thought the arm, like, looked pretty bent within the... The, the announcers called itself. no attention to it if they did, because I was watching specifically for the spot, and she was definitely contorting it, but it was never... Like, you remember when they did that once on SmackDown, mm -hmm. and it's just, yeah. like, flopping around. I thought we were just going to do the big, shocking moment while Alexa's laughing at her arm being out of out of the socket. Yeah, I mean, you know, it it, it plays directly into Shayna's moveset uh, with the stomp on the arm and everything. And I thought, like, you're right. Like, the announcers probably could have, you know, sold it a, a bit more, calling attention to how bad it looked within the, the, the arm lock. Um, but, yeah. Bliss yells, look at me. And Baszler 
ends up letting go of a submission and then Bliss hits her with a DDT. And as Baszler is selling, Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax lock eyes and Jax is placed in a trance and her arm starts to elevate. She, she is... She starts miming Alexa because when you so we've we're now we've now established that Alexa has the power of mind control, meaning um she, she what's it like it's like um she can do the body control like like what Loki does, she can possess somebody else and make them do whatever they want. And with her arm in the air, Naya swats Reginald in the face, and then each of them scream. At the top of their lungs. So was this yeah. our surprise? Was this the like Lily taking the body of Alexa? Was this someone taking over Alexa? Was this Naya, her soul, no ta- coming I think, out? I think it was just Alexa continuing to demonstrate her her puppeteering, like it was Alexa sc- controlling Naya by screaming. With that, she escaped the Kirifuda clutch and hit the Sister Abigail and Twisted Bliss and pinned her in 656. For what I was expecting, I mean, we, we got, I mean, this was, this was pretty. No key. cinematic match. No, yeah. like no, no take elements. This wasn't even that ridiculous by the standards of what the story has presented to us over the last few months. I mean, it was just, yeah, yeah it, to, to the non-viewer, there's a lot of ridiculous stuff in this, but hardly out of the realm that we have greatly expanded the last year. <laughs> it is true. No black goop. You know, like, once they have established the idea that Alexa Bliss can mind control other wrestlers through her gaze, um, <laughs> like, I think we went through several Mondays where I, we were losing our minds. And I think we've been through it now. We've internalized the trauma. And we have come to accept that as part of the rules of this professional wrestling match. And today... Which is good, because now I can just objectively say that this was just bad. So, <laughs> that's great. I mean, I, 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 it, took, it, took, it takes a lot of work, John, to be able to, to enjoy wrestling. And um, I don't know, today I, I learned to enjoy it. I learned to forget the fact that Shayna Baszler is a former MMA veteran and former NXT champion. Um, and instead, uh, she is somebody who is susceptible to mind control. So I went into this one tonight, you know, arguably in a far better mood. I just wanted to see some campy, fun, horror movie sh- uh, bullshit. And they t- totally delivered in that sense. Did, did they, though? Like, like, I'm honestly saying that, like, I'm not even talking about, like, the the silliness of it all. Like, just in that same mindset. Like, I don't think they even really hit on that all, all that it, much. It it could have been crazier, sure. Like, we didn't have any sort of, like, lights out, Lily appearance or anything like that. But, like, I think just the idea of seeing professional wrestlers use mind control as a move in a match that, like, everybody in the ring and the arena is trying to avoid, I I found amusing. I want them to run this back identical next month in front of fans. I, I'm very curious. Maybe they'll love this. Oh, yeah, I think they'll probably shit on it. So, yeah, well, we shall see how they cater this to the audience. Although you got to see the match with the audience in, at WrestleMania. It was worse than this. I love that they went from this to uh, <laughs> the ESPY Award nominees for Best WWE Moment. And listen, I, I don't want to uh, mess up the voting, but I kind of do. 
I want every single listener to please go to this SB award site and vote for Randy Orton lighting the fiend on fire because there's nothing I want more than someone on the ABC broadcast of the ESPYs to announce that the winner of best WWE moment is a dude lighting another dude on fire. That would be quite the, um, quite the announcement. That'd be great. That'd be fantastic. Who would you pick from the sports world to give that award? Um, let's go with, um, I think, I think that would be perfect for, uh, uh Fred, to- Fred couples. Fred Couples and uh, Tom Brady are here to present the award for best WWE moment. Yes. Yes. Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. So I thought this match was just terrific. Uh, We had Owens coming out and, my God, the sanctioning body that is... WWE and its executive commissioner, Adam Pierce, should just be fired for allowing this man to compete. He's coming out, and dude, the guy looks like his, his trachea is ripped apart. He can barely breathe. Did he pass any physical going into this match? What are the standards for clearance in this company? A heartbeat? I think, I think as long as you can walk, get to the ring by yourself, yeah. you're allowed to have the match. Eesh. He shot him with a revolver, but the bell didn't ring. <laughs> Sir, do you still want to go ahead with the match? Ring the bell. <laughs> match is on, apparently. So Owens is out, and he's still selling the Nigerian nail. So while it, Sami Zayn is the opponent, the focus is still Commander Aziz and, by extension, Apollo Crews. So that match will happen, Owens and Aziz. And if Friday was an indication... That will be the literal struggle after the proverbial one that Owens had to sell in this match. So Owens uh, Owens can barely breathe, but he's fighting through. Zayn cuts him off, and the big moment is Sami Zayn hitting a Topekan hero to Kevin Owens, who immediately grabs his arm and he runs off to the timekeeper's area. And for the remainder of this match, he sells like his shoulder has popped out and he's got no use of this arm. And his selling was phenomenal. And this made this match so different than past iterations of Owens and Zayn. I thought Owens was just so compelling to watch. His selling was terrific. And Zayn was just such a great heel capitalizing on this. They have the spot where the referee is trying to get Zayn to give him a moment. And boom, he blasts him with a haluva kick. Owens has to fight back with one arm. Pat McAfee says it's overtime and it's game seven for these two. Maybe it's game seven, but this is like the best of infinity that these two are playing to. So I don't know if it's the same as most people's game seven uh, being the, the end point. He comes back. He tries for the stunner with one arm and is hit with a half and half suplex. They go to the floor. Zane's mouth is all bloody and he gets hit with the stunner on the floor. Fights back in at the count of nine. And then Zane hits a knee strike. And Owens drops his throat onto the bottom rope. Affecting his prior injury. And then sets up and gets hit with another haluva kick. As Zane gets the win. I thought this was a very creative match. The selling was terrific. And these two took what could have just been. We'll go out there. We'll do our usual sprint. 
and people are going to enjoy it. Instead, they did a totally different type of match, and I I thought this really stood out. I I really enjoyed this. This is probably the match I will remember from this card. Hmm. Hmm. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um. I feel like you took a lot more from it than I did, but there's something on this match for everybody. Maybe I take more from the. I, I could have used some match. mind control. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, Owens could have sent his throat injury and put it upon Sami Zayn so they were fighting on even playing field. Well, there's something for everybody on this show. And this was definitely more of your subtle match with, I think, great selling from Kevin Owens. I agree with you there. I mean, the intent of this match, as you said, was to further that Aziz Owens program that we're about to see. And again, who knows how much warning these two had that they were going to have a match on this pay-per-view. But you can always guarantee them to deliver to the best of their their abilities. Zayn gets a rare win, perhaps setting him up for something bigger. But uh, for the most part, it is Owens and Aziz that we're going to look And man, like that that layout for that, I mean, it's got to be short and it's got to be all Owens selling because that's the only thing that's going to make that. Like, I don't want to put every bit of stock, but man, that Friday show, like I think it really was glaring of where Aziz is at. I mean, it's just... I, 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 you know, when I, when I was writing my preview today and you look at the fact that you had Commander Aziz and Alistair Black and you very well could have put Black into that same role. You have the history with Owens from last year and could have blamed him for his eye nearly being lost. And mm-hmm. I mean, you just look at the two and like that really does tell you like the mindset of Aziz is the guy they see the value in. And it was not in Alistair Black when you have two candidates for that that heel role that could have been apollo cruz's muscle uh, alistair black is apollo cruz's muscle i mean hmm. to put him in that role why you think it would have okay. been worse well as far as a wrestling match of course it wouldn't be worse but um in terms of story i mean they can make anything work sure i'm not saying make him you know alistair aziz but i mean no. to to fill that role um, I think he would over well, yeah. I mean, they want they want to push Baba Tunde. I mean, Vince wants to push that guy. Unfortunately, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, the match we have all been waiting for for the Raw Women's Championship. It begins before the bell even rings with Flair throwing the women's belt at Ripley. Ripley's still ready to go, and Flair attacks her knee. Ripley would come back with a missile drop kick uh, that put the knee back into place. And then she gets hit by a natural selection. Flair gets caught trying to use the rope for leverage. And then she did uh, the Andrade sequence, the double moonsault attempt, followed by the spinning elbow. Ripley hit a superplex that looked very good. Flair then misses, uh, running into the buckle, and a riptide is hit, but Flair gets her foot onto the bottom rope. They go to the floor, and Ripley is selling her knee. And she is just screaming at the top of her lungs. I thought Alexa Bliss was staring at her. It was just ungodly, loud screaming. And then Flair drop kicks the knee into the steps. And Rhea Ripley, you know, Will Ospreay is a great inspiration for a lot of aspects of professional wrestling. But going back several years ago to some of his over-the-top selling would not be one of them. And her... Facial expressions, trying to sell this knee was just like, I don't know. It needs to be some subtleties because I was like taken out of it. It was like just way over the top. 
Flair gets the figure eight applied inside of the ring and Ripley makes it to the rope and then they roll to the floor and you got the sense that they were trying to keep the figure four applied as they went to the floor, but it did break. And then Ripley grabs the panel on the announcer's desk and nails Charlotte with it, causing the disqualification at 14 minutes and 11 seconds. Ripley continues to attack her and ends with the riptide. Her music plays and she treats this like she has just conquered the world and walks out. After all of this, I still have no idea how I'm to respond to Rhea Ripley. And this was a lackluster finish, to say the least. Yeah, even the announcers are trying to, you know, sell sell the fact that she... She got out of there. She got an out like on purpose out of this match after you know treating the whole match with her as the baby face selling for selling that knee against charlotte um i thought bell to bell i actually enjoyed the match good intensity throughout um i thought it actually did a pretty good job of making me feel some sympathy for rio ripley throughout the match but as soon as they went to that finish all of it was wiped away it was as if like yeah, I think Nikki Cross is the only babyface in this program. So they're going to carry this one for another month, uh, and we wait to see if maybe Nikki Cross is going to be a part of it. But right now, it almost feels like they're trying to push Rhea Ripley as an anti-hero, but she has not shown nearly enough heroic qualities to make that role successful. So, you know, Bell to Bell, I think it's good. Like, we know these two can have a very good match, but all the stuff around it, I think it's been pretty poor. Yeah, it was, uh, like, the match part was was fine. Like, I took issue with, like, the selling part of Ripley. I just thought it got too over the top. Uh, But, man, they did no favors for these two with the way that, like, if you're going to do a DQ, you're you're already at a point where you're going to, it's going to be pretty tough. But, man, the, like, the panel on the desk, that's what we're giving you after 14 minutes. And we're putting it this late in the show. I mean, they just put this one out there to essentially be... To, for people to totally dismiss this. And it continues. It continues on top of it. I thought just Ripley is just a very puzzling character with how they present her. Mm-hmm. So this was, I would say, a disappointment on the show. And then we go to the main event. Okay, this is where Drew McIntyre is coming out. And I'm listening to Jimmy Smith previewing the match. And all of a sudden... It's like he's speaking in tongues and it's like he's skipping ahead. And I was like, the fiend is like interrupting Drew McIntyre's entrance. This is where my head goes to. And it's just like, it's skipping. I was like, this is like really weird. And then I'm like realizing my, my mouse is like all screwed up as well. And dude, my laptop starts to short circuit and it's just making dude. It was like the fiend was in my laptop because that's what the breathing sound was sounding like. And dude, I thought my laptop is dead. I thought I had blown out like at least a sound card, if not more. And my laptop, it took about four minutes to do like a hard shutdown of my laptop. And then Put the power back on, and it came back. It came back to life. 
But dude, there was like five minutes where I thought my laptop had just kicked out. And my immediate reaction was, <laughs> that's what this program is done way. I literally thought the fiend was making his comeback here during this entrance because that's exactly how it sounded like. So then when the fiend does come back and we get like some screwy thing, I'm going to panic that it's my laptop. I was freaked out. I wouldn't have added a backup tonight. Wow. That's quite the unique experience. That's like almost a, you know, 4d experience, you know, right in your living room. It really was kind of added some more uh, intensity to this match. So, so how late were you? I, lo- oh, I, I was I was down for like ten minutes, but wow. got back. So it was it wasn't too messed up. I was a little bit behind on the the main event, um, but nonetheless, the match begins. And I mean, say what you want, uh, the intensity and physicality of this match was incredible. Uh, Drew McIntyre is going to have an unbelievable Instagram post tomorrow when he puts up the shot of his back, um, whether he goes for a filter or not. That thing's his back is going to look like a discarded roadmap that you found underneath the seat of your car or something that you spilt uh, barbecue sauce all over. Very specific, I guess so. Uh, so early on, we get the weapons out and they go to the floor. We've got steps. We would get chairs later on. MVP passed his cane in and Lashley used the cane to hit Drew McIntyre in the throat. Uh, Drew was able to avoid the hurt lock and then Drew comes back. Uh, this is after he's trapped in the corner with a kendo stick that is put through the uh, the chain link and Lashley just unloads on him. When Drew comes back, he's using chair shots, kendo stick shots that I think contractually they have to do kendo stick shots on every pay-per-view. We got to get those kendo sticks. They must just have a warehouse. Like we saw AEW has the chair room at Daly's place. The Thunderdome locations have to have a kendo stick room. And they just like, where do you even go to get a kendo stick? Like, could you just go out into Toronto tomorrow and find a kendo stick? They have an like unlimited supply of kendo sticks at their disposal. I'm sure they know, um, you know, a, a warehouse. Um, they probably call the kendo federations and they probably kept them in business. Perhaps. Yeah. They break enough of them, probably more than the kendo companies. So he destroys Lashley's back and then he's setting up for a chair shot when Lashley pokes him in the eye and Drew can't see. So Lashley shoves Drew with the chair into the referee and the referee is taken out with the chair. Lashley then is sent headfirst into the chair. Future shock is hit, but the referee is out. So the alternate referee is on the floor and he unlocks the door. This door that is supposed to be like where you put the Annabelle doll. You never open the door, but here we go. Opens the door. Bad things occur. And this allows MVP to get into the ring because after the Claymore, MVP yanks the backup referee out But MVP is now locked inside of the cell. So Drew attacks him and takes him out with the Claymore. This is when they show McIntyre's back, and it looks brutal. The hurt lock is applied as Lashley is back from the chair shot. Drew sends both of them through a table to break it. More chair shots by Drew. Lashley ducks a Claymore, and then Drew is knocked into the post and chokeslammed off the apron through a table. Lashley misses a spear, and then... uh, 
McIntyre goes into a sequence with the Glasgow Kiss, the Future Shock, and finally sets up for the Claymore. MVP grabs his leg, and with that distraction, Lashley rolls him up with a schoolboy in 25 minutes and 44 seconds. Therefore, Drew McIntyre can no longer challenge for the WWE Championship as long as Lashley is champion. I thought this was a great match. I thought it was really good. High intensity, and I thought it was really clever how they got from significant event to significant event. I thought the ref bump was executed really well, and it provided, like, you know, like, decent, good logic to have MVP come into the cell, having him locked in there. Um, I especially loved, like, Drew's face at the end, at the moment he suffered that pinfall, with the tights, by the way. Um, It was just one of, like, you know, like, really... Yeah, understandable heartbreak at this person who can no longer accomplish his goal. So I thought it was a really well-executed, very intense match. It was super physical. I thought it was like a really like well-done match from that sense. I think it goes to how, like to me, that the Hell in a Cell, one of the reasons it was so effective was the fact that it could be the blow-off to the feud. And I understand. The first one had the big cane uh, run in with it. Um, you know, it was a way to get to this finish because uh, obviously they want to go in this different direction with uh, with Drew McIntyre. Um, but I mean, this was like a super hard hitting match. So you don't think this is a blow off? Um, no, I mean, I mean, just in the sense that this the Hell in a Cell to me, it should really be built up where it's like you get the conclusive finish. And this was like, again, it was like MVP getting involved. It kind of defeats the purpose of the structure, but I think at the same time, they weren't going to have Lashley beat this guy clean. Uh, so that's why MVP was involved here. Where do you see each of these two going after, after tonight you have Kofi as the option for Lashley, but I mean, of your main players, like it's not a very deep list on the raw side, unless we have some returns or mixing things up on the SmackDown roster. Like your, your main event scene is not that deep on raw. By the time SummerSlam comes, I mean, you're you're going to get some of your heavy hitters. I mean, obviously, Cena and Roman is the big um, rumored match. Um, we also have Edge perhaps making a comeback at some point as well. Um, you know, for the, for the next pay-per-view, we'll probably get maybe Drew and MVP. I don't even know if that's big enough. You probably just get that on TV. Uh, as far as Lashley goes, they're definitely building something up with Kofi. I also don't know if I see that for... Maybe it's big enough for a SummerSlam, but, you know, I either see that at Money in the Bank or SummerSlam. And maybe Drew can go for the Money in the Bank now. We talked about that possibility on Monday. So there you go. That was uh, Hell in a Cell. Um, what did you think of the show overall? Thumbs up, down, in the middle? Um, I think, like, maybe, uh, you know, halfway between in the middle and up. So, like, more of a one of these. What do you call that? Upward. One of these side, like a forty-five degree your hand anymore. Okay, forty-five degree thumb. You know, okay. one of those. Yeah, forty-five. I, I'm going right in the middle on on this show. I thought I thought the women's cell was very I, I, like the two cell matches. They were executed very strong. Um, you know, you, you can debate like the the booking of of the main event. It, it was just to me. It was a lot of it on this show between this the top two matches having the finishes that they did. Like Ripley and Flair, I think that finish really took the air out of things going into the main event. Alexa and Bla- Baszler was well. They well in the main advertised. event they they wanted Bobby Lashley to keep the championship, 
And I don't know if they were about to pin Drew clean. No, like that's, I mean, that is the thinking. I guess it's, you, you look at, you know, you've booked yourself into this situation though, where it is in hell in a cell and we've got to find a way around the hell in a cell, which is why I think people just look at this as like, you know, just another steel cage match now where it's it's mm-hmm. not the idea that it's the babyface finally has the heel one-on-one with without any interference. It's just it's looked at as another match. It's sold more on like its potential for violence rather than I would say maybe, you know, um, the thing is, though, like they did find a way to at least in the meantime, conclude this feud by adding the stipulation to it. So in that sense, it did feel conclusive. But of course, like I could. I could do, do you buy that stipulation? Uh, well, I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way to... No, Drew's going to have the championship again, of course. But, you know, it might be... be... even challenging, like, Lashley. I mean, it's... I mean... Yeah, it's possible. Again, like, with Money in the Bank, does that does that create a loophole? Like, it, it it's, shouldn't. It's, it shouldn't. It should be flat out. You can't challenge. End, John, in the end, these are just, like, storytelling devices and, you know, ways to make you to want to see the next match that, you know, they could promote Drew McIntyre in. Um, and they want to like, you know, give you a, a big hook for this one. And this was the best that they had could do. All right. Well, let's, uh, uh, before we go to the calls, I quickly just wanted to, uh, talk about, uh, the announcement by new Japan that they're going to be running their first show in the U S with fans on Saturday, August 14th. They're going to run at the torch at the LA Memorial Coliseum. So this is the, uh, it sounds like it's an adjustable, uh, venue that can go from five to 10,000 people. Uh, it's not the LA Memorial Coliseum proper. Um, but the most notable name that they are advertising is John Moxley wrestling a new Japan show on us soil. I mean, he's done, he's done strong. So, I mean, this to me is not a major eye opener because not in front of a crowd. Yeah. This is in front of fans. I think, I mean, if you need any solidification about the relationship between AEW and New Japan, this is it. Um, but nonetheless, it's it, it's largely built around, like, your New Japan strong crew. Like, it's got Moxley. Uh, Jay White is probably the next biggest star on the show. Juice Robinson. But Good a brothers. lot of it are the, the guys on Strong. Good Brothers advertise as well, I yes, believe. Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, so... Uh... Honestly, like, I feel like I have more interest for this show than uh, many of the actual New Japan Japan cards, just because it seems like it's just a far fresher roster. Um, and I think you have the star power of a John Moxley, who means a whole lot uh, to North American fans. So um, it's it's good news for New Japan, you know, getting some action somewhere. Mm-hmm. This will be the and, and gives you a sense of, you know, when the borders are able to open up again, what combinations you might possibly have from both sides of the pond. And they're going to be running... This is the weekend before SummerSlam. I almost wonder if it would have been worth their while to try and run this in Vegas the Friday of SummerSlam weekend. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting thought. I mean, even even if it was in LA. I mean, it's, it's not a crazy distance between LA and Vegas. But nonetheless, they have uh, August 14th uh, booked. So that's, that's an intriguing show for the summer and what the appetite will be for... Uh, this version of New Japan's American expansion, um, led largely by by John Moxley as your big star so far. So phone lines are open to chat about Hell in a Cell, whatever you would like to discuss. Uh, put your hand up, and we will move on over to the calls. Let's go to Hanzi. Hanzi, you are on the air. What's up? 
what's going on? I yeah, I share the same uh, uh, sentiments as you guys for the peer review. I I thought like the matches were really good. Um, I I listen. The bliss stuff was always gonna be off putting to me, but I, I I agree it wasn't as awful. And I I did visibly like laugh out loud when Nia Jackson are, were both uh, you know doing the screen. <laughs> I, this is like, the stupidest fucking thing. I, I don't know. Okay, so sorry, but the matches were um I thought they were really good. I just thought some of the finishes were kind of weak. I didn't. I I didn't really like the Rhea Ripley finish. I thought Charlotte was doing actually some good heel work, but I mean, it seemed like Ripley was also doing heel work, and I don't think that was the intent. And then uh, Lashley and Drew, uh, I thought was an, an amazing match. And uh, I, I was actually going to ask you guys that, like, before I go, is like, who? who um, I know it might be a little bit early, but do you guys like? Uh, like, do you guys have any like favorites for the Money in the Bank uh, match, women and men? Like, do you guys have any like? Out of on top of your head, I don't mean to put you guys on the spot, but I'll just leave you guys with that. But the pay per view was decent, just uh, not really that great. Of, I think the, the good uh, ways of finishing it, you know what I mean. But overall, I thought it was a fine pay per view. Thank you, Hanzi. Um, front runners, John. Any let's um that stand out for Money in the Bank. Uh, I mean, we'll get the men's and the women's one, and you're probably getting. Eight people who? per match. Yeah, I'm saying who. For for the men's, to win. I would to win. I mean, you can look. You could. I think Drew gets in the match. I wouldn't be necessarily putting him over for it. I don't think that's kind of the role that Drew needs to be in. Um, yeah, and that would almost serve. It wouldn't necessarily assert Drew versus Bobby again at SummerSlam. And I, I don't think they that's big enough for SummerSlam. I mean, they've done that match enough. Like, it's a serious uh, question when you look at, like, look at the men's side on SmackDown. And, like, Roman has run through everybody. Like, who's yeah. even jumping out at you? Like, like is there any interest in, in, a, in a Big E? Okay, there, there's one. Um but like you look at your other ones, like like Owen seems to be tied up. I mean, it you could throw Owens. him in that match, but I mean, no. they've, they've hey, gone maybe. through hey. Owens, they've gone through Ray, they've gone through Cesaro. Like I don't think Cesaro even being in the match is all that enticing. Could it be one of the Usos? And could you have a dynamic where one of the Usos holds the briefcase while they're still, you know, seconding Roman Reigns? I could definitely see that story, like sending either one or both of them into the match to get the briefcase and essentially hold it hostage. And playing with the tension of whether or not that person might eventually cash in. Um, and I also don't necessarily see them actually putting the belt on one of the Usos. I think it's like a good story to carry Roman through, but I don't know if they're so confident in like a Jey Uso or Jimmy Uso title run that they'll have him actually win money in the bank. Um, I think after on the last year with, with the Miz carrying that briefcase around, like the bar is very low that if you it's I'm not looking at things as, oh, that would be a waste of money in the bank. They've gone through a waste of money in the bank. I think they greatly took the value of it down over the past year. Um, so yeah. I think mm-hmm. they do have some of their work cut out for them to kind of reestablish this as like this vital storytelling device. Yeah, that's true. On the raw side of thing, can you can you can you think of anybody that would be a viable contender? Kofi I mean, seems like he's already kind of in. You know, like, I don't know if Kofi will be that guy. Like, you have your level of guys, like your your riddles. Um, I mean, yeah. whatever's going on with, with Keith Lee, I mean, that's, hmm. I mean, I don't even know if that's going to be an option. Um, that's, 
your level of gut, like typically you're not looking at people who are like right at the cusp or at that main event level. You're looking at the person who six to eight months from now would be someone you would see Big E would fall into that category. They don't have a lot of people in that Big E category that you're looking Mm -hmm. at that six to eight months from now, hopefully this person has elevated themselves. It's like, you've kind of got your, your main event level or right below it that have been disposed by Roman or been disposed by Lashley. And then there's everybody else. It's like, there's a big jump, like Randy Orton being in money in the bank. Sure. You can do that. Don't like it. What about what about the, with with the women, the women, it's way more wide open. I think that that's, I, I feel you could put you, you is it, I just, cause it's hard for me to even think about who, who they would put in the women's divisions. Well, I mean, they've also cut a significant amount of their women's division, but I mean, if, if you've got, I, I would not bring Becky back for Money in the Bank. I think she is well above that at this point. But you could still put in your for for both of them. They will be Raw and SmackDown. So I think you can get a pretty a pretty solid match between the two divisions. You know, if it is like you know the the quick cash in, if it's simply Becky coming back, winning the Money in the Bank, cashing in and announcing her cash in for SummerSlam, I could see that. You know, like. In the past, they they like to cash in one of the the briefcases immediately and having another person hold it. But if the one who's who's about to cash in immediately is Becky, it would be quite the statement, I, I suppose, of announcing her return. Um, who else is there in the division right now? Nikki Cross. Yeah, no, I don't see it. Maybe Alexa. Maybe Lily. Maybe the doll wins money in the bank. All right. Brandon from New Jersey. Any thoughts? Who should win money in the bank, Brandon? Uh, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. Uh, (laughs) I'm in mourning from uh, game seven today. (laughs) Sixers and uh, (laughs) and, uh, the Hawks. uh, Oh, I'm uh, sorry to hear that. Uh, it's all good. Another another game seven loss. First the Raptors and, and now and now. So it's all good. Uh yeah, I thought it was a good show. Uh I caught the uh, caught the main event. Uh those guys worked hard. Uh so how much of the show did you watch? Uh the main event. <laughs> so how can you confidently say the rest of the show was good? Uh, am I wrong? I, I got a half a thumbs up, right? So is that is that okay. is that wrong? Am I lying? <laughs> You're predicting that the rest of the show was good. All right, that's fine. I, I'll, I'll take your word for it that it, that it was good. But uh, I thought I saw the main event. I thought I thought it was pretty uh, physical. Those guys worked hard. Uh, I appreciate their effort. Uh, do, do you think uh, Brock is next for uh, for Bobby Lashley? Uh, I don't know if you if someone asked mm. that question or not, but uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I totally, totally forgot that his name has kind of been rumored out there as well. Uh, that would be a great SummerSlam match, you know. Uh, absolutely, it's possible. I mean, SummerSlam needs uh, some stars on on that show besides uh, your main eventers, and uh, why not some part timers? If Brock and Cena came back, I, yeah, it'd definitely be a WrestleMania level show. Awesome. And uh, one more thing, uh, John, uh, what did you think of Anderson Silva's performance? Uh, I thought it was pretty uh, spectacular. And uh, Luis Cesar Chavez looked good too. The father, he for fifty eight. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was pretty cool. The father look. looked better than the son. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it was a good good Father's Day for for his kids. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they're going to come after the Mysterios for the tag titles. Um, well, Ray was there too. He was. They actually had a testimonial from Ray and Dominic that they sent in wishing Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. good luck in his fight. I guess wishing both of them luck. So Ray and Dominic were actually featured on the uh, on the pay-per-view on Saturday night. But for those that did not see it, Anderson Silva at 46, uh, one, I, I thought, you know, it seemed like it was uh, pretty convincing over Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I did not see the fight. Um, but how, how did he look overall? It sounded uh, he like looked- he was, he, it was like a pretty, the only surprise was that someone actually had a card for Chavez Jr. Yeah, they tried to, uh, it was, I saw some shenanigans with the judge, judges because it's, it's the Chavez's home turf and whatnot, but he looked good. I mean, he looked like a guy. That's he, he's opened the door up. for, like Anderson has opened the door now for a lot of these types of fights. I mean, it was great for him to get this win. And now I, I think he'll just go to the highest bidder. Like, I think this guy will find plenty of people that will want to put, put him into these types of fights. So he did himself a lot of favors with it. I mean, we all hate him, but Jake Paul gave him a shout out, <laughs> and they, he said that he could fight uh, Roy Jones on his card against uh, against uh, 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 which McCall coming up? Uh, 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 Tyron Woodley. Friend. Yeah, Tyron Woodley. Uh, yes. yes. And uh, one more thing: uh, what do you call a man with a body and a nose? Nobody oh. knows. Goodbye. Brandon's out, <laughs> but he's here all week. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Brandon. It was great. Always great. We go to Rory. Rory, what's up? How you going, guys? Um, Not much. Um, Just just wanted to say that, yeah, this was a bit of a nothing show. It was a bit of, it was just like, yeah, good wrestling can only go so far, but uh, you need some good good storytelling now. And Mm -hmm. I think this was, I think this was the pay-per-view to start the ball rolling if you want to actually sell some good tickets. Because I know some ticket sales aren't doing too well in, in some some areas. So if you actually want people to be interested, don't wait for the live fans. Make them, make them want to come to your show. Uh, I think I, I think like I know it's too early in the negotiations, but my God, the end needed a Brock Lesnar uh, sort of tease of some kind. Like just even the music playing, just the style Lashley, uh, or just something like that, because. It just felt flat at the end. Like it was, a, it was a decent match. It was, it was, it was a, it was a strong performance. But um, yeah, story-wise, this was a terrible show. Bad ending with uh, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte. Like, like people bounce each other's heads off that flat bit on the uh, announce table all the time. Nothing happens. I, I, I don't know how they think that they just can, can get away with just yeah all these weird sort of different like uh different finishes that's just so 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 i guess the rule is you're allowed to slam somebody into an object but you cannot lift that object to use to hit somebody else with it is that it so if i had like a sword i can throw somebody's head into the sword but I can't lift the sword to slice their head off yeah the sword gets in the way i mean that's the sword's fault Okay. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's put some heads on spikes, uh, shall we? Um, it's just, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's like my, 
Uh, it's probably going to change when the live bands come back and you still, and you get the atmosphere. But like my my, uh, it's not going to change that much, man. Like we we remember there were shitty shows with ridiculous booking, not, like not, when fans were not, here. Not, not 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 the WWE itself. Like my 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 fandom of WWE. Uh, uh, it's it's sort of hanging by a thread right now, and this is it it it. It's shocking to me. Like the the company brought me into this crazy world, and here I am thinking, "Am I done with it now? Am I am I am I just am I that burnt out by just all the bullshit that that's that's out there now?" Like I, Vince, you couldn't give it even more of a crap. Like he, he like he obviously like I know every like all I'm sick of all these legends saying, "Oh, but he 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 has this fantastic mind. He has it. He had." He had a fantastic mind. Not anymore. He is not. He is not good anymore. Like I, I, uh, I am very, very, very upset at Tommy and Alistair Black for really, really kissing ass and and wanting to come back into this damn company. Even if it is with NXT, it's still run by the same person. Like, why would you want to come back and and limit yourself? Uh, I, I, I don't know. And and for me, I, I look at like. I would want Tommy End. I would want so many other people to look at uh, look at what New Japan is doing. Look at the show that's about to come up in in the like Coliseum area, and and just look at look at what fresh stuff you could do. Just like go 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 there, do this, do that. Tia Tia Trinidad, please do do a shimmer, do do stardom, do 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 something else like that. For God's sake, my WWE isn't everything, right? That's a, I'm. Get, I, here. They're not everything, but they but they pay the best in most cases. So that might be a bit better in that sense for than Shimmer or. Uh, man, we're getting a bit of an echo, Rory. I'm gonna have to say goodbye to you um, until next time. Thank you for your thoughts, and um, I hope you stick around. You know, if you've made it through this far with your fandom, I, something tells me you'll you'll make it through this as well. You want to go to the forum, John? Okay, we can uh, move on over to the forum as I uh, pull it up here. And tonight, the poll gives this show a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. We start with Anthony, who says, All I can think of as to why I cannot like Rhea Ripley in this current run on Raw is that she is the person who is their biggest fan. Um, She is the person who is their biggest fan. I don't quite know what that means. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Maybe that's one of the one of those kind of um what do you call those like questions you're not really supposed to answer. Rhetorical. Uh he he has an actual question who says what's next for both Lashley and Drew? It makes no sense for Drew to go to the money in the bank and cash in against Lashley with the step involved, and I don't see Drew beating Roman if he challenged him for the universal title. Making sense is not a prerequisite at all. Um, Yes, that would be a silly violation of this stipulation. But listen, we're in an era, people do not take stipulations seriously. It is a stipulation is put in front so that the audience can, their first reaction is, how do they get around the stipulation? Not the consequences of the stipulation. And that's why you can have Daniel Bryan put his career on the line, and it doesn't mean a whole lot, even though his contract was legitimately up. So that's 
that's where just stipulations are at. It's going to take a lot to change people's thinking because that that is the immediate reaction is how do they get around this? Try somebody like does if I don't know if this exists, but tr- somebody out there try to create the Wikipedia article on the brand to brand invitational history of the Raw and SmackDown shows and how <laughs> how any of that makes sense. Um you can't. So, you know, you will most of us will probably forget about it anyway and then whatever ex- explanation they come up with um <laughs> we'll just have to live with. He says for Lashley, who does he face? Kofi Riddle, maybe Keith Lee if he ever returns. Uh any of those. Five poorly performed riptides out of 10. Yeah, what do, what do you think about a Brock Lesnar return, John? I mean, it's it's interesting just of how do you approach a Brock Lesnar today? If you're looking at SummerSlam, this like you've already got off to a pretty hot start for tickets on sale for SummerSlam. You're now in this period where, I mean, you're guaranteed the revenue. You obviously want to build up your big shows, but is there that incentive to spend the amount that it will take for a Brock Lesnar that you did in the past? I mean, maybe, maybe not. Like what is their, what is the impetus, especially on a show that we're expecting to have John Cena back? It's, like, do they have that that same incentive to go out and and spend at a time when like they have they have drastically I won't say drastically but they have they have cut down a lot on talent costs over this past year? Do they just splurge on what what a Brock is going to command? Like you, you weigh like the positives of here's a compelling program, but is the price tag worth it when we have guaranteed revenue streams? What is the uh, status on uh, sales right now for SummerSlam? The Observer, I think, cited like 31,000 or so tickets that are out. Like they're they're going to do very well for this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not a case of, oh, my God, how are we going to fill this stadium? They're going to do very well for Allegiant Stadium. Okay. Well, I guess the only thing at that point would be like how much do they care about using SummerSlam as a draw for Peacock? You know, how much do they want to make Peacock mm-hmm. happy? And, I mean, if you're also looking at just from a storytelling point of view, is if we dedicate SummerSlam and our top two matches were to be Reigns and Cena and uh, Lashley and Lesnar, and let's throw Edge in there, what does that September pay-per-view look like? Like where these three are probably not going to be around. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, uh, Seth Rollins versus Cesaro. Well, that's it. Probably. like, that's kind of like, you know, you peak to a show and you have, like, you know, these attractions and then they're gone the next week and you kind of have to start from scratch again. Um, that's that's another aspect to the whole thing. But it does spruce up your, you know, your two or three major shows uh, of the year that they build up to. All right. Uh, that appears to be all the feedback we have. I, I could see Kate typing, but um, I don't think we'll have enough time to wait. So... That's going to be it. Apologies. I think I put the thread up a little bit later today. So uh, go to form.postwrestling.com. Uh, if you're a patron, you have posting abilities. But everybody else, you can go there and you can read people's thoughts on Hell in a Cell. Yes. Way and I are going to be back on Monday night. We'll be live for Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso Patrons at 11.15 Eastern following Raw, the night after Hell in a Cell. Huge night mm. every year. Raw after Hell in a Cell. And Tuesday for patrons... It's going to be John Pollock and Wei Ting talking. 
What? A first and maybe only show. Yeah, you know, um, we've actually had trouble thinking about what to do for our bonus show this week, and we actually thought about not doing one altogether, but, um, you know, like... Like this spot would typically be reserved for like a movie review, and we're like, do we want to pick some random movie that like nobody really wants to watch anyway or hear us talk about? So instead, we're going to try something completely novel. John and I are just going to talk to each other. I might even forget to hit record the first time. I'm just going to chat with my pal Way. Wow. Yeah, like open discussion. I guess who knows about what? Um, just for the patrons out there who seem to like anything that we do so enjoy that. Be that test i'm looking forward to it i was actually kind of excited over the weekend i was like this is a good idea it's been a while since we've like just been able to catch up like that so uh we're gonna do it with a bit of an audience <laughs> you, you make this friendship sound so cold it's business only that's it the extent is like these reviews and so yeah maybe we should even do it in per- well maybe in the future we'll, we'll do it in person but we might not be yeah. too far away maybe maybe one yeah. of these days we will uh reconnect in person all right. Well, thanks to everybody for t- uh, tuning in live tonight, uh, this later hour, the new WWE pay-per-view start time. Exciting stuff. Mm-hmm. Next month, bodies, bodies live in person for a WWE pay-per-view. Can you imagine when the, when, a, um, when a panel on a table leads to a DQ finish, a crowd chance, fight forever. What, where is it? Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Yeah, I don't expect the crowd to like turn on the show if it gets. Oh, that's that going to be a hot crowd. I think that yeah. we that's the weekend they start. They've got the SmackDown and then uh, the the pay per view on the Sunday. I think we're going to get some really hot crowds for those shows. Money in the Bank is typically a very good show. Mm-hmm. You want to feel really old? Next week, yeah. the pipe bomb is ten years old. What? Wow! Is that Thanks. crazy? And Julia Hart was nine years old. <laughs> Julia Hart Dude. is going to be the new barometer <laughs> of aging people. <laughs> Ten years old. Wow. Yeah. That that did not feel like that long ago. Okay. I can tell that he probably has to pee. So we are going to end this show. <laughs> Thank you to everybody for joining us on the Hell and Estel Post Show. And we'll speak with you Monday after Raw. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.